This week, we're joined by David Koplovitz from ProXPN for our interview segment. In our technical discussion for this evening, considerations for using Intel's SGX. In our stories for the week, perhaps some of the ones that have worried me the most, maybe in the history of this podcast, can the election be affected by attackers on the internet? Can IoT devices suffer any more security vulnerabilities? Um, what else do we have in here? Google security headsets Pixel is as secure as the iPhone, which is always good for some, some nice banter. Uh, and perhaps our story of the week, amongst others, the one that stood out, stood out to me um, was from Troy Hunt, Ubiquity All the Things, or how he finally fixed all of his dodgy Wi-Fi. All that and more, so stay tuned. This is Security Weekly, for security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show where exploits run wild, packets aren't the only things getting sniffed, and the cocktails flow steady. It's Paul's Security Weekly. Security Weekly is brought to you by... The SANS Institute, the most trusted source for computer security training, certification, and research. Visit SANS.org to explore the full curriculum and latest training offerings. ONAPSYS, the leading provider of solutions to protect ERP systems from cyber attacks. Customers can secure their SAP and Oracle business critical platforms from espionage, sabotage, and financial fraud risks. Visit them on the web at ONAPSYS.com. Pony Express. Check out their line of penetration testing devices, including the Pwn Pad, the Pwn Phone, and the Pwn Pro. For enterprises, there's Pwn Pulse, providing continuous visibility into wired, Wi-Fi, and Bluetooth spectrums across all physical locations, including remote sites and branch offices. For all those hard-to-reach places, there's Pony Express. Visit them on the web at PonyExpress.com. Welcome, everyone, to this edition of Security Weekly. It's episode 487 for November 3rd, 2016. I'm, of course, your host, Paul Asadorian, the master of ceremonies, as it were, here on Paul's Security Weekly. To my left is none other than one of the co-founders of Security B-Sides, currently working for Tenable Network Security, Mr. Jack Daniel. Welcome, Jack. Your left? Oh, your left. Yes. My my left is your right. You got it. And you get the, the Santa glasses I on. I got the Santa glasses on because I'm, like I'm Santa. old. I'm it's old. all about Christmas time right now because... Dumbledore. That's once, I, I go for once Dumbledore. Once it's Halloween, you start seeing Christmas commercials. Right. That's, that's, that's the, the way it works. That's, that's it. The, it the, I was at a Lowe's in Georgia like a month ago and there they had Christmas trees up. It's like, it, it's 93 degrees. What? The, stop. Stop. I don't need children sitting on my lap yet. We have with us the network wizard. And by wizard, I mean he adorns his wizard hat and robe. Uh, he's worked for universities. He's currently a tester at Black Hills Information Security. What does he, he wear under Sands? the robe? Uh, you don't want to know. Okay. He's a SANS instructor and an IONS faculty member, Mr. Joff Thayer. Joff, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Paul, for the introduction. <laughs> I don't know that I'm a network wizard. I don't really do that stuff anymore, but uh, 
I appreciate the intro. Uh, it's good to be here. And I will add, I don't know what I was going to add. Oh, the Christmas thing. Yeah. You know, it does happen. It's that time of year. So what are you going to do? That's it. You got to embrace it at this point. I'd rather think about Christmas than next Tuesday. <sighs> I, have, I have some predictions. I don't know. And I, you know, I, and our listeners know, I hate making predictions, but I do have some predictions. You also avoid political things. We, I do. We, we go out of our uh, way we, to avoid political. We go political. out of our way to avoid political things because our ability to offend people without talking about yeah, politics no is Cheers. just extraordinary. Cheers to that, Cheers right? To that. <laughs> Cheers to we that. We don't even need to bring <laughs> politics in the mix. So. Uh, so, I have a really big announcement. I want to make sure everyone pays very close attention to what I'm about to say. We did a survey. It is the first time ever in Security Weekly history that we have ever asked our listeners to really do much of anything other than try and enjoy the ridiculousness that is the show. And drink. And drink. <clears throat> and us. drink with us. Yeah. Um, but we did put together a survey. This survey... Uh, it helps you, the listener, because we will listen to you and we will make adjustments according to our, our, our feedback that we get from our listeners. And I've collected feedback from a lot of you over the years, usually over drinks at a conference, which likely means I don't remember exactly what you said. So we put together this you know, survey monkey kind of thing. Uh, and you can go there, give us feedback on the show, tell us a little about yourself, collected completely anonymously. I don't, I don't want to know who you are, per se. As it relates to you, I want to know um, just a little about how you listen to the show, what you think about the show, you know, uh, stuff about where you work in an anonymous sense. I don't want your email address. I don't ask for an email address. Um, so go fill out the survey because it really it helps you, the listener, and it helps us continue to thrive and grow, uh, produce content that's relevant to you, right. and grow as an organization. So you can go to securityweekly.com forward slash survey. Please, 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 I beg you, go there, fill out that survey, give me your honest feedback. There is uh, uh, an open-ended question at the end, which basically just asks for your feedback. We want to hear from you. I want to know what your feedback is. I want to know what you think of the show. I want to know what you think about where we're going. Make recommendations. Tell us what's working for you, what's not. Please go fill out that survey, securityweekly.com forward slash survey. Please do that. That would be... um, I, I'm greatly appreciative to everyone who has filled up the survey, survey yeah, so far. I yeah. sent out to our mailing list before the show. Um, about 90 people had responded, which is interesting. I'm curious to see as it spreads out um, you know, what the feedback is. And we're going to use that to basically go into 2017 and uh, continue to develop shows that will benefit you. So please, securityweekly.com forward slash survey. Thank you so much. On hey, to hey, our, hey, yes, hey, go ahead, Jeff. Paul, I have a quick question. Mm -hmm. At the beginning of the show, I think you announced that we're uh, show number 487, mm -hmm. uh, but I, it looks no, to me right. like we're, we're 488. 488. So I just wanted to make sure that got out there. Yep, 488 episodes, and I'm still unable to keep track of what episode number it is. Just I'm consistent, if nothing else, Joff. Consistent's good. Consistency is good. Uh <laughs> Dave Kaplowitz is here with us from ProXPN. He has over 20 years of experience in corporate leadership and management. Uh, and Dave, you are currently the CTO of ProXPN, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Excellent. Uh, Dave, with, welcome with to the show. Three years. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here. 
Excellent. Um, so, Dave, why don't you start by just telling us, um, you know, how you got involved <clears throat> with information security? How did you get your career started? Oh, I actually have a non-traditional IT background. Um, I used to be a wrestler, believe it or not, an amateur wrestler. And uh, wait, is that like, like like Nacho Libre kind of? N- no, no, like the the kind in the Olympics. Oh, okay, uh, okay. And uh, you know, was was fortunate enough uh, to get uh, an internship with uh, EDS back in uh, 1996, and they put me through their technical program. So uh, they they actually really did things correctly there and taught me how to do technology the right way. Um, then I started doing a bunch of startups and ended up at ProXPN a few years back. So um, uh, along the way, I worked in, in billing. And, uh, you know, a key component of, of any kind of billing is security. So it fitted nicely. What was uh, some of your experiences like at uh, various startups over time? We do a whole show on startup. Uh, it's called Startup Security Weekly. So we're very much in tune with that kind of mindset in, in, in that whole industry. Well, in the, in the startup world, uh, lack of sleep more than anything. Mm. And uh, uh, just uh, changing, changing directions. So uh, it, it's nice to be in a more uh, concrete, stable world. Now, I'm a bit older, so I can't keep up with the, the youngsters. <laughs> so you said you've been with Pro XPN for two years, is that correct? Uh, I think about three years now. Three years? Um, so what are, what are some of the use cases for uh, ProXPN? Like what attracted you to come work for the organization and, and, and what can people kind of expect from using ProXPN products? So actually I knew the owners um, and uh, had an opportunity to come and work with them. Um, you know, I think everyone needs uh, to be safe and secure while online. Uh, while you're traveling, even at home, you know, people don't think about the information that's flying out the back of their computer. And you're basically exposing that to anyone that is on that network as an administrator or um, even uh, people that uh, you know may be able to be in your own network. So the nice thing about having a VPN is you're, you're basically creating a, a tunnel between the back of your computer and our endpoint. And uh, no one can see the traffic coming across uh, your internet connection. It, Dave, it seems to me in, in speaking with you before the show that um, not only is there a security component to this, but very much so a privacy component uh, to this whole equation. Um, for some of our listeners out there who may may not be using this type of VPN service, what are some of the uh, gains in privacy that you get when you're using a service such as ProXPN? Well, aside from the encryption that's you know from your computer to our endpoint, uh, your, also your IP is basically obfuscated. And we, we net your connection. That means that to the world, you're looking like you're coming out of our endpoint, whether it's in uh, New York or, or uh, London uh, or wherever you want to come out. We have endpoints all over the world. Um, and what that means is, is that no one can see where you're coming from. And no one can see the traffic, again, across your local network and across the Internet to our endpoint. So your communication is 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 protected another thing that uh we talked about earlier was excuse me dns and we actually Mm. serve the dns uh and and people don't understand that when you request a website uh you basically reach out to a dns provider whether it's google or your local isp uh and they know where you're going right they they actually if you go to cnn they know to go to cnn 
Um, if you're on our VPN, we serve the DNS and even your provider won't necessarily know, or they won't know where you're going. Your information is secured both in transit and in uh, DNS. Some of the questions that come up when we talk about VPN services such as this, uh, Dave, is um, while legitimate users such as ourselves and our listeners may use this to improve the privacy, attackers can also use this too. And it's kind of interesting. I'll, I'll talk about a, a technology in our technical segment on the show um, that very much is a double-edged sword. Um, is is there Are there things that you do to make sure that no one is abusing the service or... Uh, and also kind of a follow-on question, like how do you deal with law enforcement? Um, well, obviously, if, if law enforcement uh, makes a request, we have to answer it. That's That that goes without saying. Um, and as far as abuse is concerned, um, you know, we we don't really uh, have any logging per se. We, we do know, you know, who's connecting and when, but um, you're 100% correct. I mean, we, that people could abuse our service. Now, um, it's against our EPs, and if we identify it, we will turn that off. Um, so with uh, there are a lot of services in your particular field, Dave, and it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, I've heard people talk about different services. We actually get contacted by a lot of different services um, that, that want to gain subscribers and so, like, how do you differentiate yourself in the market that seems to be like it's a pretty competitive market in terms of the type of VPN service that you're providing? It's actually very competitive. We, we have uh, a lot of different protocols that we support. And you have a choice of uh, PPTP um, or Open or uh, IPsec. We support all the platforms, uh, Android, iOS, Windows, Mac, Linux. Uh, and also, uh, you can configure your own devices to use our service. Uh, we have endpoints all over the world and redundancy, and it's a self-healing network. So if we, we lose a location, we can easily and quickly either turn it off and spin up a new one, or, or it, it will be taken out of service if there is an outage uh, locally. And, and we have that redundancy that makes that uh, really not an issue. So we have been around, I think, for eight years. Mm -hmm. and as a, as a company and what makes us one of the oldest VPN companies in, in the field. So we, we'd like to think we're doing things the right way. And, uh, we, uh, we're keep on growing and expanding our, not only our offerings, but, uh, our product line, we're actually going to launch pretty soon. The uh, ad blocking service is built into the, into the VPN itself. Yeah, and that's really interesting. Uh, and I know you said before the the interview, Dave, you wanted to you know talk generally about security. And I, I think our audience is really in tune with um, ad blocking. And it's interesting in some of our own uh, segments that we've run on the show. I've done some research, and there's a lot of overlap between services that will serve ads, and then you the same domains will be in the same list of uh, domains that serve malware as well. So especially, I think security professionals are really in tune with um, being able to block ads. Uh, can you give us a little insight into as to how yeah. you're, you're you're blocking those ads? Uh, well, we're we're going to be building it into our DNS uh, product, actually. Mm. So we'll be able to proactively do it without actually um, having to install software on the on the device. 
Yeah, and that that's the the very same way we've recommended that people implement uh, ad blocking is basically by DNS name. Uh, so that that's really great. Um, and, and so that would be seamless into the product. We're we're in beta right now with that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, so in terms of uh, evaluating VPN products, uh, and Dave, you have an extensive background in in, in product management and in product strategy. So when users go to evaluate a VPN offering such as yourselves, what are some of the things they should take into consideration um, when when choosing which service to use? Well, you know, we offer a, a, a no-risk trial. That's one thing to think about. Uh, and actually, for our Android and iOS products, you can get, uh, I think it's 250 megabytes of free transfer per month um, and just try it out. And um, that's one thing to think about. We also, you need to look at what protocols are supported. You need to look at what uh, platforms are supported. And also if they allow more than one device at a time to be connected. We don't restrict that. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are all things that when you're comparing uh, providers, you, you need to consider. Yeah, and, and, and most of us, especially our listeners, have more than one device, certainly, right. at any given time, for sure. Um. Now, I'm also told that you you have an enterprise offering. Do you care to elaborate on some of your enterprise offerings? Well, we have we have done in the past enterprise offerings. If some uh, company uh, has the need for an enterprise solution, we have stood them up before and, and given them their own endpoint and uh, user access. So that's something that someone could reach out to us at sales at proxpm dot com uh, and uh, talk to one of our uh, our uh, support people and get in touch with uh, the sales team if they were interested in that. And it's, you know, it's important when you're traveling. People don't think about that. And I was, I was recently flying through an airport and somebody had their, their local uh, phone set up as uh, it was an FBI.com alias and on their SSID. And, um, you know, you don't think about it, but you could connect to anything and name it anything. Uh, And if the person's a bad actor, they're going to see your traffic. They can set up a a proxy and attack your traffic you know, if you're on the vpn that's not possible it's going to be connected end to end so you can basically travel and be in a hotel be in a, a unsecured network at your friend's house all that stuff you can protect using a vpn yeah and i i think it's a it's a nice offering because uh, as many of us know that are on the show today and uh many of us listening that have been the person like like raise your hand if you've been the person like if you're driving keep both hands on the wheel but like raise your hand if you're the person that's actually set up the vpn service for your organization there's a lot i mean jack you know like there's a lot of heavy lifting involved in that process there's a lot of configuration it's, and not it's only easy that, until you try to get normal people to use it and that's the, i was just going to say that like once you get to the point where you're like Yes, this rocks. Like I'm ready to let users start trying, it. and you're like, no, don't. Oh God. So does ProXPN address some of those issues? I'm sure, David, because I mean, ProXPN sure. provides those services to the general public. Yep. And when you adopt those as an enterprise, a lot of those usability issues are, are really kind of already been worked out, right? Yeah. Install our client. Put in your username, <laughs> password. Connect in your online. Plus, we have the support line, so you don't have to call whatever corporate security. A lot of companies actually that we, we've talked to in the past don't want their uh, people traveling and using the corporate VPN for personal use. Interesting, so yeah. That, that's another thing. You know, if you're in uh, London and you don't want to connect over the internet, 
to the home office and then have to surf out. So having a product like ours, whether it's a, a personal uh, personal subscription or a corporate subscription, uh, really solves a lot of that problem. David, I think a lot of times when uh, our, our listeners listen to, to interviews such as this, you know, they're um, – they're asking the question, like, why should we trust you? Why should we trust uh, Pro XPN? So, can you give us a little, a little bit of an insight in some of the technologies, maybe that you're using on the back end, some a little about your processes um, for making sure that that uh, VPN connection has integrity? Uh, sure. Um, well, as far as trust is concerned, yeah, you know, we've been around a long time, um, and. We were, like I said, one of the first uh, providers in the space. We, you know, follow best practices. We patch our software. We, we do everything that every security uh, company or professional needs to do um, as far as keeping software current, as far as keeping uh, the clients current. Um, and I guess uh, in addition to that, you know, we, we do build our own uh, software and we do allow you to use your own as well. If you want to use an open VPN client, uh, you can do that. So you have both options available to you. Uh, we use state of the art IPsec and open VPN, uh, connectivity. Uh, I think there's not much more you can say on that. Yeah. I think someone was telling me that, um, on the iPhone platform, there was, uh, is it L2 TP that's going away? And being uh, no, they just they just shut down PPTP. PPTP, that's what it was. Okay. Yeah, and we actually just upgraded our iOS client uh, to support uh, IPsec. So it, it it's on demand now uh, for paid uh, subscriptions. You can go on and select any number of endpoints. Uh, it's very fast. Jack, do you have some? You had some questions earlier. About, I, I was just yeah. he sort of touched on them, but um, so you support multiple protocols. SSL mm-hmm. as well as IPsec, and one of the one of the questions whenever I, I want to get cryptographers or crypt analysts going is I always ask, uh, do you trust IPsec because of its complexity? Um, and that's that's sort of baiting people because it it is challenging. But I think the important thing that you covered is that um, you know depending on where you are, your hotel may not let you out, and if you don't have multiple options, um, you are shut out. I mean, how much how much coverage do you guys? provide as far as um, different ports and protocols, things that are going to get past the, you know, the, yeah. the, the people of the world that block. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Different ports and protocols and, and, and different endpoints. Right. We've also seen that, you know, some countries start compressing. And <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's a constant cat and mouse game in some of these places to, to stay ahead of that, that ball. <clears throat> Um, David, where do you see the VPN market going in, in, in five years? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, there's been a proliferation of, of uh, providers for sure, but it's not going away. And in fact, I think more and more people are becoming aware of the need for security and the need for privacy. Uh, there are blanket, uh, blanket, uh, surveillance going on by, by businesses and by foreign governments. And I, I think that people are going to want to keep their communication streams uh, private. And it's not so much uh, that anyone is doing anything wrong. Sometimes it's the appearance of impropriety that can get you into trouble. Uh, whether it's at work or at home with your wife, uh, it doesn't matter. 
And I think people are going to want to stay safer and are becoming less trustful. So VPNs are going to be core to staying safe uh, for the foreseeable future. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but uh, yeah. I think that that's a pretty sound statement. Yeah, I think that um, one of the things that, uh, you know, Microsoft usually rushes into things years late and then gets it right. But mm -hmm. there, what is it, direct access? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't see it myself. Things like IPsec, as complicated and convoluted as it is under the covers and often to configure depending on what you're using, uh, and OpenVPN particularly with its ease of use, um, it, it works on anything. You know, I, right. I, and that's without using tools like yours that make it easier to do with some patience. If you're not afraid of command lines, um, OpenVPN, man, it's stunning what you can connect, right? And mm -hmm. same with IPsec. And, um, you know, I think Microsoft is betting on something that really limits your options, like, uh, you know, with, with tools like yours or, or some of your competitors. You download a package and, look, I'm connected to anything that speaks OpenVPN or I'm connected to anything that speaks Open. I, you know, whether it's an Android, whether it's uh, Microsoft phone, OS, iOS, whatever. Um, so I think the versatility is critical, too, because it's it's – the ability to get across multiple platforms without having to have a different set of rules, right? It's, uh, I think is important. And I don't know if it's going to collapse or if it's going to stay fragmented, but Microsoft is betting on something that I am not a fan of. Well, I, I always fear all of the big players in this space myself. I mean, Google, <laughs> Apple, you can seem to trust, trust more than the rest, but you know, they all have angles and they all want your information and they all want to control what you can and can't do. Uh, on their platforms, um, so you have to pick the yeah, and, and the they all form and, right. and 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 control the information that you can share right, and and they all want your. It's a good point. It leads to the point of they all want your information, right? Uh, Google mm. Google wants to know about you. Apple wants to know about you. Microsoft wants to know about you, um, and they may be very protective. Um, you know, uh, John Callis recently left uh, Silent Circle to rejoin Apple and. You know, Windows Snyder's been there for years, and they're people that I trust that know mm -hmm. what they're doing. But Apple would like to know what you're doing. Google, yeah, they <laughs> they yeah. kind of know want to know what you're doing. So oh. the idea of a, a third party that you can trust um, is important. Um, or along those lines, Steve. I mean, just to yeah. to bring back just to like really like geek stuff, right? Um, yeah. We talk about these big players like Amazon. I'm really getting ready to make a big investment in Echo. Just because, really, of usability, and I'm really concerned about the security of that. Um, like, where do you see some of these more usable big companies making products available? Like, how does that play into security? Like, I, you seem like a really big technology guy. You're talking about the, you know, browser plugins in your browser. Like, what do you think yeah. about Echo and that, that kind of thing? You know, at some point, you have to figure out what what you want to get out of the internet and third-party providers like Amazon or whoever it is and what information you can share when you log on and purchase something and they're throwing up not only on their site, but other sites, uh, things that you had looked at and they're retargeting you. Yeah. Um, Amazon and it, Facebook have that like weird incestuous, awful, yeah. like slimy feeling relationship, right? Yeah. And I'm not really familiar with echo so much, but you know, I can only tell you what I do. Um, I just, I'm aware of the information I try and, that I share and give away. So it's really important to educate yourself on how these systems work. 
Um, and I use a lot of browser plugins on top of my VPN connection. Uh, we were talking earlier. I mean, I Facebook uh, blockers and uh, Google blockers and, and ticker removers and flash block and, you know, Lightbeam. You, if you look at Lightbeam, that's a great product. I don't know if you guys have seen that. No, what does Lightbeam but, do? Well, Lightbeam just shows you all the – it used to be called Collusion. It's a plugin for uh, Firefox, and it shows all of the incestuous connections between – uh, a lot of the online providers. So oh, you know, all, all roads all roads lead to Google, more or less. But mm-hmm. uh, if you install Lightbeam, you can actually see the information that's flowing between, not the actual information, but the connections between different providers. Um, so it, it's really, from my perspective, about understanding and being educated about your privacy. You know, no one reads the privacy statements that you immediately mm-hmm. click OK install. Um, I do uh, mm-hmm. I, most of the time. Uh, and you, you, you can't survive in the world now without accepting some of these terms and conditions. But you can limit the information that you're sharing. You can protect your IP. You can protect the communication flow. And when you're using browsers, you know, you use plugins like Ghostry and, and, and FlashBlock. It can protect protect you. Yeah, it, it just the whole privacy thing is it's out of control. We yeah, talked so, about it with so, a lot of different. Um, go, go ahead, Joe. Well, I was going to make a comment, you know, back to you are asking what's going to drive uh, really what's going to drive the market. Where do we see VPN five years from now? And I think this this entire conversation at the tail end here is exactly what's going to drive uh, the VPN market down the road. It's going to be uh, end consumer awareness of uh, increasing privacy violation and and the need to take action on that. And uh, I think, uh, you know, companies like ProXPN and others. Uh, if they um, take advantage of that and market towards privacy, I think you're going to have a lot of great success in the future. Yeah, to your to your point, I'm actually in the in the process of writing an ebook on on just that for our our our, uh, our subscribers. You know, talking about you know educating yourself and what you have to understand, what a beacon is, you know, what a soup, uh, uh, what cookies are, and, and now there's super cookies, right? Um, so. I mean, you can be tracked pretty easily. And and the odd thing is what, what you don't show is just as important as what you show when they fingerprint your computer. Um, it, it's kind of frightening. Yeah, and I think the, um, you know, the other, the other aspect of that that we will see increase and where we as a community are going to have to get involved in uh, managing this somewhat is it is more than likely that that legislators will get involved um, down the road, and um, that may have a dramatic impact, not necessarily in a positive direction. So uh, we're going to have to uh, really uh, be aware of that. Um, you know, use groups uh, to our advantage, such as EFF and others, to uh, to try to uh, guide that process appropriately. It, the EFF is a great organization, from my perspective, um, if only to be a a consenting voice. Um, they have uh, some great tools out there as well that you can look at, like Panoptic. I think they support that shows the fingerprint of your of your uh, your computer, so you can see what information you're giving away. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, I guess back to you, Paul. Yeah, Dave, you seem like a really paranoid person. I really want to read <laughs> read some of your <laughs> no, some of your materials, guy. I feel like I need to be more paranoid about the, about the internet now. Listening to you. <laughs> No, if you can't be you can't be paranoid because then you'd never leave your house, right? That's true. 
You would never um, connect to the internet. I mean, to take it to the extreme, right? Yeah, but you know, I I I kind of related to like going to a restaurant and leaving your garage door opener in your car with your uh, home address programmed into your computer, your, your onboard computer, and giving the keys to someone you don't know. Mm. Uh, that's not smart. And you know, I like on my my onboard uh, GPS. It's not my address. It's down the street. And I do use the, um, I, I don't have a remote for my garage door, um, but I do have my home address programmed in down the street, as I mentioned. So, and I, if I am using the uh, uh, valet service, you know, they can't find my house and they can't push the door, uh, the button and open the door. So if you if like you told your neighbor down the street, like, hey, if someone's in my car, like standing outside your garage door pushing the button, like, can you give me a call? <laughs> exactly. You know, oddly enough, my 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 uh, garage door opener a few years back opened my neighbor's garage door, and that's like near impossible. But every day I would leave work, I'd hit the button, and his garage door open, I would go, and I didn't know it was opening his garage door. So, um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, well, like, would yours was- yours would close and his would open? Exactly. Wow. Crazy. But, but, you know, not having a VPN and not understanding the, the information you're sharing is a paramount to the same thing I just mentioned, which mm-hmm. is you're giving your keys and your address and uh, your door opener to someone you don't know. So get educated and, and get on a VPN and be safe. Be smart. <laughs> Dave, I have five uh, more questions for you that are... Well, they're somewhat ridiculous, to be honest with you. But okay. Our listeners love them, and it's a standard uh, thing that we've done for several years now when new guests come on the show. So are you ready to play five questions with Security uh, uh, Weekly? Okay. I'm a little paranoid now. Yeah. <laughs> You're a lot paranoid. You shouldn't be too paranoid about this. They're, they're, they're pretty fun. All right. Okay. Three words to describe yourself. Uh, large, scary, and bald. If you were a serial killer, what would be your weapon of choice? Uh, by hands. If you wrote a book about yourself, what would the title be? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, no, I think that's a great title. That, that's a great <laughs> question. I like that. That's a great question. Uh, a book, book would be, um, how do they get here? In the popular game of Ask Grabby Grabby, do you prefer to go first or second? Oh, boy. Ask Grabby Grabby. Now, I, I, I would I, imagine, Dave, given your stature, how, how tall are you? I'm 6'5". Six 6'5", five. Six five and you are a wrestler. I, my guess would be you get to pick in a game yeah. of Ask Grabby Grabby. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, anywhere I want to, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a good answer. Uh, Dave, choose two celebrities to be your parents. My parents, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm, good one. Uh, and Bridget Nielsen. Nice, nice. You're like an 80s movie fan then. Does oh, that make yeah. you an 80s I'm, movie I'm fan? I'm old, man. <laughs> no, because no, cool. I totally identify with those, the actor and the actress in like the 80s, like early 90s. That's, that's cool. Oh, Arnold, is, uh, Arnold is the best. <laughs> I agree. I concur. And he's a big cigar smoker too, as am I, so... Awesome. Well, Dave, thank you very much for appearing on Security Weekly. Keep up the great work at ProXPN. Thanks for appearing on the show. Hey, uh, you mentioned... Oh, yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hey, Riley. Hold on. Mute the music for a second. 
Sorry, uh, you have uh, like an updated discount code to share yeah, with our I listeners? Think, yeah, I think it was KOP20. Okay. So if you go to our site, you can get a 20% discount. Uh, you just enter the coupon code KOP20. KOP20 for yep. 20% discount off of Pro XPN. Excellent. Dave, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Good night. Okay, now you can like roll the music and stuff. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> That's awesome. Black Hills Information Security, the leaders in penetration testing and active defense. Email consulting at blackhillsinfosec.com to request a quote today. Threat Connect is the industry's most widely adopted threat intelligence platform. Built to unite the people, processes, and technologies across your security team, your organization, and your entire ecosystem of partners. ThreatConnect's threat intelligence platform enables your team to collaborate, analyze, and make sense of threat data all in one place. Empower your team towards fast and efficient analysis that leads to decisive action. Transform your entire threat detection and response program today. Claim your free account at threatconnect.com forward slash security weekly. Endgame automates the hunt for both known and never before seen adversaries in enterprise networks. Built on unique knowledge of the adversary's tools, techniques, and tactics, Endgame's centrally managed agent prevents, detects, and responds to advanced adversaries at the earliest stages of the kill chain without prior knowledge. Endgame, automate the hunt. Welcome back, everyone, to Security Weekly. I'm here with Jack and Joff, where I am going to foster a technical discussion, as it were, or a technical segment even, on the considerations for using Intel SGX. Jack, Joff, have you heard of Intel SGX? It's been uh, roughly a year since it was announced. You know, I, I, I'm guilty of saying... No, I actually have not done any reading and uh, on the technology, but I'm I'm very interested in your technical segment now. So, yeah, oh, good, good. Um, so uh, it's interesting. This uh, security technology is uh, attached to the Skylake uh, family of processors. Uh, Skylake, of course, came out last October. And uh, it extends even into, from what I understand, the seventh generation uh, Intel processors, which is very timely as I look at. Uh, it's not really security related, but as I look at buying a new laptop, I just I want to <laughs> just kill Apple. I've turned into the desktop is not anyway. Yeah, I, anyway. I really, I don't know what Apple. It's really I I'm really doing. disappointed. <laughs> in any case, if <laughs> you're looking, they. <laughs> if you're looking to protect applications in a trusted computing model, and it's interesting after uh, looking into SGX, I really understand the kind of double-edged sword that trusted computing uh, represents. I see it was a Bruce Potter that was talking about uh, trusted computing uh, a, a while back. I, I can see the the light at the end of the tunnel that like Bruce was referencing, but I can also see some of the bad things that's happening. So um, I, I just want to run through some bullet points and then in, open it up for a little bit of discussion with uh, with Jack and Joff. Um, I really like this kind of comparison because I think it really, and this came from NCC Group, um, it, it really kind of, I thought, got to the heart and soul of Intel's SGX, which is a, a, a newer method of implement trusting computing in hardware. Um, so they say, architecturally, 
Intel SGX is a little different from ARM Trusted Zone. With Trusted Zone, we often think of a CPU which is in two halves, right? The secure world and the insecure world. Communication with the secure world occurs, occurs from the insecure world via an SMC or secure monitor call instruction. In Intel SGX model, we have one CPU which can have many secure enclaves or islands. And that really, to me, kind of explained it best in that rather than just splitting the CPU into secure and insecure, we have all these little enclaves or islands that are independent applications and data running inside of their own little enclaves that are secure. So um, the thing with Intel SGX is you have to develop software specifically to implement this level of protection. Uh, Then, like I said, the code and associated data would be protected during execution Even if an attacker theoretically gained administrator privileges on the box, they would not be able to gain access to the application with with some some exceptions there, obviously, which I'll talk about, um, and more specifically the data within uh, that application. Currently, as far as I understand, and there is a messaging broker system that's kind of an add-on to this, which lends itself to own its own security concerns, but you can only currently write apps in C or C++ that implement Intel SGX. Now, <clears throat> everyone accessing the applications would need to run the software and hardware on systems that support Intel SGX. So if Jack and I, for example, were to write an application that we wanted to provide security from all different attack vectors, ideally... I have a system with a processor that supports SGX, which is a processor released in the past year. Jack has the same hardware. We both write our application so that it implements SGX. In our own environments, we're running in that protected space. If we do that, that's the best case scenario because that means we can take advantage of the messaging system. I could query Jack's application and say, hey, are you using SGX and all of the appropriate encryption mechanisms? Jack would respond with a message and say yes. I would also respond with a message and say yes. And then we would know that we were both running really secure systems. So in that model, it has a lot of interesting applications. Specifically, if you were to think about the SWIFT network, what if all 11,000 financial institutions were to run that and do that level of checking? That would then provide a level of security that would be pretty good in that environment. However, it means that all parties have to be on the latest hardware, develop wait, software so, wait, that wait. does that. So you're, you're talking about banking being on the latest hardware. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, um, I, I love the idea. In my utopian world, Jack, <laughs> right, this right. sounds fantastic, <laughs> right? It's, right? It's, yes. It's, yeah. uh, uh, but it, 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 step out of that world for a moment, right? If Jack and I wanted to have secure applications, ideally we could do that. Um, and that's one of the benefits of uh, this kind of trusted computing uh, platform and like yeah all people being on the latest hardware and newer software compiled with the technology you can't say that with a straight face right? it's it, I mean even the bromium folks are struggling to get people with what six or seven year old processors to take advantage of uh, the, the processor level uh, right virtualization um, so that's it's... like for the most part, that's the good news about SGX. It, it's a pretty cool. It's a pretty cool. It technology. is cool, and it's uh, one of those things that, um, if I pretend I'm somebody else and try to be optimistic for mm. a few minutes, um, when so as I've been doing things, looking back at history, uh, looking back at 
older reports, older studies on security and computing, there were ideas that people had um, that maybe never got out of academia or never scaled beyond multics or early systems that were government managed or huge corporation managed for narrow scope um, that really weren't practical. But as we do things, uh, as hardware advances, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, people complain, if you have modern hardware, you complain less about agents, for example, right? Correct. Yet if you were running Windows 98 uh, and you had three agents on your desktops. With like four Gigs of RAM, four four yeah. gigs. No, <laughs> what? Wait yeah. for what? Five twelve k of RAM or whatever you and had on your Windows. A spinning hard in, in a fifty a forty two hundred RPM spinning hard drive, right? Um, You're right. There's something we said for security in modern hardware. And so yeah. the machines were cores, un, yeah, unusable devices. Mm-hmm. Our phones are quad core sixty four bit boxes now, right? Now, yeah. now, granted, people who write mobile applications, if you write mobile applications. Guess what? We all have four cores. Learn how to multitask, multi-thread, you ignorant <laughs> bastards. But I on our laptops... I think it lazy programmers in that respect with performance. But yeah. no, d- developers for desktop and laptop environments have figured out how to yeah. use multiple cores. So you put a small agent on a machine, whether it's antivirus or backup or mm-hmm. whoever's, or, you know, Tenable's Nessus agent, whatever. You put a couple of them on. First of all, we're better at writing agents. The hardware supports it. It doesn't hurt. This hardware is letting us do things that were just theoretical years ago. So even though it's fun to see, you know, it's like, <laughs> like banks are going to update everything, the reality is eventually this is going to move us forward. It's just well, that it's a speech we're a the, long the way from there. Too, earlier this year, we saw those attacks on the, the SWIFT network that really raised oh, and, awareness. And there, just I, at the IoT Right, uh, uh, you know, botnets and stuff have been really raising and, awareness. And it's, it's the same thing. And it's not like there like, were only two or three of those. It's just that people are looking for them. I think they're catching them faster. I assume that the Swift attacks are still happening, but they're not making the big scores or they're not making as much news because it's how horrible does something have to be to knock Brexit and the U.S. election off, right? I mean, it's just... Yeah. So, just back to a couple more points on SGX. Um, it, this it's is very kinda, cool. So, in well, the future, the, I'll be optimistic. Yeah, well, no, let me just no, I'll be squash, dead in the future. Let me just squash your I'll optimism. I'll be dead in the future. My last Never two mind. points are going to squash your okay, optimism. Okay, good. Here. All right. So, the, the bad news here is that these SGX enclaves... Uh, and Joanna Rotuska has published uh, uh, papers and, and seems to fall in line with this. They're, in my research, they're kind of similar to firewalls. And very, firewall's fault? Very few <laughs> of us deploy a firewall with any any deny because we're like, oh, like stuff has to talk to each other. So you got this awesome application compiled with SGX and you're running it on the system and you're like, wait. It has to interact with other things to be useful. Right, right. right. So essentially, it has to open up holes in its right, firewall right, right. to allow communication between applications on the trust, system. Trust is problematic. Yeah. yeah. And so the speculation is that attackers will exploit those same avenues <clears throat> to be able to compromise the integrity of yeah, right. SGX-based that, That's been true time and time again with every one of these technologies that we've introduced. Mm-hmm. I would argue that even with the opportunities to ex, ex, exploit essentially messaging APIs um, to to gain advantage from the attacker perspective, 
it, there's still a it's still a uh, push forward, and and any any advance that we get there um, is a good advance. I think it's optimally any of these cross messaging uh, APIs that that people write, be it at the firmware level, in the Intel case, or at the application level, um, that it's incumbent upon them to 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 give good guidance uh, to folks on how to appropriately use them, so that we try to you know avoid if if at all possible the security oh. issues related to that. Oh. Yeah, like in, integrity only extends to a certain right. point, and that speaks to your your point, Joff, on implementation. Like you have to implement right. this properly. But the other thing too is, let's say the user is uh, has a really great password. They're using two factor authentication. They're authorized to use this application. They authenticate to the application. They tell the application to do something specific that application is protected is running in sgx and it goes off and does its thing like it, the whole thing that it comes down to is what if the user is compromised <laughs> in yeah. some way like physically compromised someone has bribed that user to do something that's a much harder thing to protect right. against it always right. comes down to that user's credentials and authentication and authorization if that's right. compromised and if the user themselves is compromised it, protecting against that is not something that I think we can extend this technology uh, to be able to cover. However, running inside of a pro- inside of a computer in this process, it does afford. I think some, to some of the job's point, right? There are some protections that it has. However, the double-edged sword comes in now. SGX is a very well documented. I don't know how well deployed that it is to this day, but it is very well documented. And what that means is, if I'm an attacker. And I want to create malware. I can absolutely run it in an SGX enclave. Sure. And what that means is, by design, when I do that, the kernel and other applications won't have access to my malware. So what that means is, I can essentially lock out antivirus and endpoint protection. To, to your point earlier, Jack, those uh, other endpoint systems are taking advantage of their our newly found. Uh, hardware that's always uh, uh, happy to run all these other programs, but now my malware is running in this protected enclave, and you can't shut it down because by design it's taking advantage of a processor level right. uh, feature that's locking out the operating system, the kernel, and all other applications from preventing it from doing. Yeah, no, that, that that's an excellent that, point, Paul. I mean, it goes both ways, is what you're saying. Like, like mm-hmm. any any tool, right. it can be used for good or or, or not so good. And uh, you know it's it's it, it's it's a very true statement with any of the advances in technology that we have seen, in that it is used for you know both good and 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 not good uh, uh, goals. And so, I think I think you know given that, I think that's a that's a uh, a very good point, which actually may end up uh, weakening some of the controls for the goals of detection, right, and uh, being able to prevent. Some of the some of the right. issues that you're talking about, and and so then then we may be diluting the technology, which would be unfortunate. Um, one of the, one other question I had though, in your reading as you were looking mm-hmm. for this tech segment, did you come across anything that uh, spoke to how these enclaves uh, in the processor um, and uh, virtualization technology uh, were interrelated? Um, I did not. However, the 
the two articles, and you really could have asked any question that went beyond my level of comprehension, Joff, and I would have pointed you to the two articles that I put in the show <laughs> yeah. notes. Because um, they, right. they were, hey, pretty, Joff, I think you were just told to RTF. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> they were pretty. They were really thorough, uh, especially the one from NCC Group, and even the one from Virus Bulletin um, were, were really thorough in documenting exactly how this works and going to a lot more detail. Um, specifically, the one from NCC Group had some fantastic information. There's not a whole lot of information outside of Intel from themselves that is distilling down what, what SGX is doing. Uh, of course, Intel has a lot of great documentation on how it works and how to implement it. They want to see adoption on it, and they've done what I think from a marketing perspective is a really good job of making the information available. However, I'm not so sure what the adoption rate has been. I did see references to GR Security, um, the the Linux kernel implementation, uh, taking advantage of this as well. Um, I think it should be, in my estimation, should be on people's roadmaps. Um, I think it's uh, also a reason to uh, refresh your hardware and, and constantly refresh your hardware, largely because of the reasons that Jack talked about, that when we look at security that may require extra processing cycles or resources, uh, having refreshed hardware at this point really, really helps you, especially now that we talk about things like SGX, which are built into the hardware, that really helps you implement security. Uh, if only the new MacBook Pros actually had real processors and RAM. Yeah. <laughs> oh. If they actually yeah. used the seventh Wait, generation yes. rather so than the sixth, sixth generation. Gener- wow. Okay. So that, that's a, that's Look, a, and I, I'm throwing that grenade as someone who is committed to dumping Windows 10 because as a road warrior, it doesn't work for me. And it's like, I'm trying to give you money. Stop. Stop. Just the thing stop is, making right, me hate you So we're kind of done with SGX. Let me just jump Wait, wait. I got one last thing Go on ahead. that. For, for the record. Every firewall I've deployed in the past, I don't know, decade has had an any 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 deny rule in it. There just might have been an any 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 allow, allow above before. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's a good point. Let's just be honest, right? You know, it's a good point. I had that rule. Look, I'm denying everything on the bottom. Everything's <laughs> yeah, good, every, right? Yeah, I got everything on the Check. bottom. Yes. Check. Um, uh, well, I might know that UI better than you, and have something hidden, and the only one you can read is the deny rule. But that would be. Wrong. So it, it, it somewhat relates to the SGX discussion, right? In in that when you're looking at a new laptop, for example, like I am, right? And you're considering, yes. like, first I'm throwing Windows right out the window because I was telling the guys, like, if I had a Windows laptop, Windows, like, Windows would, up, don't. Yeah, I, I would. Windows up, don't. I, I want to just run it over with my car uh, repeatedly. Uh, so um, my choices then become. Okay, let's find a good Linux laptop or something from Apple, the new something from you're, Apple. You're, you're almost, I mean, you've hit puberty. You could have a BSD machine. Whoa. Yeah, baby. He went there. <laughs> I don't know about that. I've run BSD in the past. Love I, it. Don't get me wrong. Just, yeah. it's, as your personal computing device. Yeah, as, especially as a road warrior who yeah, connects to yeah. different shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, no. Stuff. I mean, well, I mean, except for OS X, right? Except for a Mac. I'm right, not sure right, how yeah. you run BSD. <laughs> exactly. As a so road warrior. What's interesting to me is um, being on the latest, if I'm going to put put it this way, if I'm going to put an investment into a laptop, we've talked about some of the new security uh, technologies that are available. I want to put it into the latest and greatest thing. Apple has come out and said, well, we're a sixth generation 
And oh, by the way, we're limited to 16 gigs of RAM, which is not, I mean, in their defense, the 13-inch uh, options that are out there, for the most part, are pretty much limited to, to, to Dell's offering is that yeah, XPS 13 uh, developer edition, which is also limited to 16 right. gigs and, of RAM. And that's not the the flyweight thing that Apple offers, right? I mean... You, you know, I don't know, dude. Like, so I saw something that was like, "Hey, like the weight that you save by buying the new MacBook Pro, you're going to have to carry so many dongles, dongles yes. <laughs> that you're going to spend more money, and the weight that's going to, in the space it's going to take up is totally yeah." Right. They've made a great laptop if all you want to do is just look at the screen and not be able to charge a, it at and, all, and it's a beautiful screen. Oh. God, it's really. I mean, how much difference could you have between the screens that we have wait, now that we're looking at our wait, laptops? Wait, let me put on my glasses. <laughs> Does that answer your question? <laughs> eh? I, I don't put that really high. But, well, in the, the part of Look, that is in Apple's defense. You know, and, in Apple's defense, when I get honest, to my office, I the, use the stu- I use an iMac, which has the things a gorgeous that, display. Right, but the things yeah. that you look at on the internet. I mean, do you really want to see those people that close up? Yeah, I don't know if I need to see that level of detail. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> It, then you're seeing things that maybe can't be unseen. Just, yeah, analogy, you know, it's the like when you, when HD TV came out and it was like, oh my god, yeah, can somebody blur my features a little bit? I don't, I don't want to. Yes, see yeah, this. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I was looking at System seventy six. Um, they make some great. Well, I don't know. Mixed review Linux laptops, mostly positive, but there are also mixed reviews out there, and and that goes across multiple generations. However. They're offering the latest uh, 7th generation processor on their 14-inch, which is which you can get 32 gigs of RAM in. Great. I'm almost willing to take a gamble to get that extra RAM because I want to run VMware Well, see, that's the it. thing. Uh, you and know, it, Paul, you just yeah. hit on it. Any, any of us in the information security community that are, that are road warriors or, you know, whatever our primary uh, laptop is or desktop is, it can't be a desktop, first of all, but... Right. You know, we need we need RAM, we need disk because all of us mm-hmm. are running umpteen virtual machines on it, and uh, we've got to have a little bit well, more than the average. Uh, the, yeah. I think, and I think it, it, with I, the MacBook Pro, split, if you though. bought if you bought like at least a like eight dongles, you could probably charge your laptop and have an extra right, drive. But, but, I, but I, think time. I think there's a split job, which is that. Um, if you can count on connectivity and don't need high bandwidth connectivity, you can rely on cloud apps oh, drink. to deliver a lot of things. Oh, that's a good, oh. Right? You know, Jack so, is sending us right to the cloud. Right. So, cloud computing drink. If the ubiquitous internet connectivity that people promised a decade ago and is still a lie today were real, Something like the the iPad Pro or whatever the high end iPad is would work for all sorts of shit except know. for the cu- I, well. Yeah, it's then, like if I have a USB device that I need to use Windows on, the cloud just, doesn't really right, help me. Right, yeah. right, and, and so that's part of my thing of finally giving up on Windows. Eventually, when when Apple gives me a machine with a processor, um, because uh, you know my son's a Windows guy because mm-hmm. that's his world, but it's like. He he changed jobs recently, and they're like, "You want a MacBook Pro?" He's like, "I I I hate the fruit stuff." He spent years at big box retailers fixing mm-hmm. Macs from people who swore they were impervious. <laughs> <Fixing> <laughs> <the fruit>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, 
but they were like, uh, so have you ever tried virtualizing OS X on a Windows box? He's like, I'll take the MacBook Pro. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. you can you can pretend to be Windows on a MacBook Pro yep. really easily. Okay. You can't pretend to be OS X. And, mm-hmm. and the poor boy does support, um, which, you know... Uh, yeah, no. I as long as I'm on tangents, fuck. So one of the questions you always get asked is, uh, "How are you getting into this industry?" Man, I, I hate to tell you all this, but take a support job, not Windows desktop support. Nobody Uh-oh. deserves that. Yeah. But, yeah, Jack, um, right. I, I, no, but you I, should. I no, right. you should. You should take a support role. First of all, you get even a if it's Windows. I know. I, I even if it is Windows, no, I disagree. With but you. I think you, you should take a Windows desktop support role. Not for long, but. It, but if you take a support role in a security company, mm. what they're usually looking for is people who have done admin, network admin, systems admin stuff, right? And that's like the kind of people that are always asking how to get in security. Uh, you know, take a support. I don't want to be. It's really the, the difference is if you're the IT person at a small company or one of the IT people at a larger company, you're never off the clock. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're supporting a security product, you're off and off the clock. Yeah. But you get a great deal of exposure, and then it, it moves you in there. So just as long as I'm talking about people doing support shit, it's, um, it is a great step into what we do. No, he's, he's absolutely so, right. I mean, if you want to get on the on job, ramp, I'm just gonna... take a support job. That's how you get in there, and you get to trial by fire, like thrown in the deep end. You're going to learn it. And you learn who and who you want to work for, and who you sure did that too. <laughs> so uh, I like how we transition into hardware, and then we transition into career advice. <laughs> it's just a testament as to how we can. Hey, hey Joff, you the, know what he's the doing? The roads we can go we're down in the show. Joff, Joff, he's acting like it's his show again. <laughs> <laughs> With that, we're going to take a short break. Come back and talk about the security news for this week. <laughs> Tenable Network Security, creators of Nessus, the world's best vulnerability scanner. Jumpstart your security program today and evaluate Security Center CV, the continuous monitoring solution. For more information, visit them on the web at tenable.com. ProXPN is the leading VPN service, offering free accounts, excellent premium features, and an outstanding commitment to privacy and security online. Use the discount code WEEKLY and save 50% off for life. NetSparker, the developers of desktop and cloud-based web application security scanners that enable you to automatically identify vulnerabilities in your web applications and web services. NetSparker scanners employ a unique and dead-accurate vulnerability scanning engine that automatically verifies vulnerabilities with a proof of concept. For more information, visit them on the web at netsparker.com or email them at contact at netsparker.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Security Weekly. This is the security news for this week, I'm reading reports that there are Internet of Things that can hack your phone. This is kind of, uh, well, first it's concerning because of the way that it's being reported. I find this slightly, okay, not, in one case, not even slightly incorrect, it's incorrect. So the one that says that there's a printer that can hack your phone bullshit. is I really, mean, uh, is, it is bullshit because it really means that someone by the name of Julian Oliver, basically created a fake printer that's just a shell of a printer, but basically put a femtocell in the <laughs> printer. I'm like, dude, that's not a printer. That's a 
cell phone hacks that were talked about at ShmooCon like five or six years ago. <laughs> you're just, you're just putting that inside of a Do you remember when they Twitter. drove the van inside the Rio at Def? <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. Like, <sighs> so there is uh, actually from Wired, uh, it says the evil office printer hijacks your cell phone Look, connection. We're, we're, that it's not a printer. Screwed. It's not a printer. We're intercourse, right? It, I mean, it's a stingray. It's a whatever it is. It Exactly. It's not a printer. It's a, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so that was like not interesting to me. That just means you took technology that people presented like about you, security like conferences like years van- ago and stuck it in a printer and called it a printer. That's like when you get in the van that doesn't have windows, it turns out you don't get free candy. <laughs> that too. I mean, that means you could take I, you could take anything and put a, a device in it and call it whatever. Like, there's a cow that can hack your cell phone. But, but, well, that's because oh, oh, wait, it, wait. I attach a femdesel to a cow, so cows are evil. Cows can no, have, Paul, no. Paul, that's exactly no. what's happening, though, right? We're taking these little embedded uh, devices. We're sticking Linux right. in them, or we're sticking some sort of. No, 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 no. You said embedded. You can't say embedded. You have to say. Oh, okay, IoT. we're taking IoT. this little mm. IoT device, and we're sticking a kernel in it, and we haven't even checked any of the patches on it. We haven't checked whether it's secure or not. But we're just like letting it out in the world and saying, "Okay, be fly, be free," and. Lo and behold, the thing gets hacked. Surprise, surprise, right? I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. Just endless amounts of ranting could come at this point. Related, one of my stories is that I thought was interesting on the IoT apocalypse was just we can't even have adult conversations about it. There's so much hype, and there's well, and this one's kind of interesting, Jack. Speaking of hype, so this one says that um, hackers can steal your cell phone pictures from your IoT crockpot. What? Now, (laughs) the the vulnerability. First of all, the vulnerability, though. But the vulnerability. So this only applies to the Midwest, where people are making hot dishes. But it's not Um, just a crockpot, and I'm a huge fan of crockpot cooking. But like your neighbor. Belkin, you, you have to put the app on your cell phone to be vulnerable to this device, to, to this thing. So it's not so much that, like, I thought of it as, like, anyone with an Android device that's in my home, like, an attacker is going to take control of my crock pot and they're going to, like, use that as a jumping off point to hack into the phones. You really have to have the Belkin app to be vulnerable to this device. So I think there's a combination of. Well, yeah, the crockpot is vulnerable, whatever, but it's the app It's the app on your phone that's more of the vehicle into hacking your phone than so much so the crockpot. Um, and this this is motherboarddevice.com. The details are kind of uh, sporadic. I haven't read the full report, to be honest with you, to see exactly how they're doing this, but it seems like there's more of a issue with the app being the access to your phone and not so much the crockpot being the access to your phone. I always speculated that like Armageddon would happen when people could hack into devices in your home and use those as jumping off points to hack into other things. In large part, we have not seen that. Wait, wait, wait. Yes, we have. We saw it last week. I mean, come on. Mirai, right? Mirai is is, is, is a serious Yeah, but that's different. Mirai... But it's a serious threat. But Jeff, it's not after my personal information and other devices in my uh, home. No, it just yeah. took it's the using those devices to yeah. 
<laughs> well, that's but that's that's totally different, right? That doesn't that doesn't steal stuff from my phone. That takes the internet down and makes it unusable. And I'm not disagreeing with you. That's bad, so, but, but that's a different attack scenario. Than I mean, we're talking I get my about information stolen because I didn't patch my webcam. No, I didn't patch my webcam, and the internet went down for a little while. Like whatever. But those are the first shots. So yeah, oh. they are the first shots. I think. A lot, a lot of your, a few of your stories, few of mine overlap, and at least one of Joff's, yeah, overlap because, you know, we're talking about the intersection of shit web apps and IoT. The internet, things. internet of shit is that the a, internet is, of is that things? The Twitter account, the yeah, internet yeah, of crap, yeah, the internet of shit. There's a there's a Twitter account. We're talking about the the intersection of web apps. I mean, of uh, mobile, mobile apps, mobile apps, apps which are garbage. Cloud, which is garbage. Well, no, cloud isn't garbage, shit. but the apps, the, the web claps. applications they wait, write wait, to run wait, in the cloud wait, wait. are shit. Wait, I gotta, you got to get the right words. Put the hyphen in the middle. Cloud enabled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, look, look, the, you know, I was reading, I was reading back through the so, Mirai. Uh, yeah, this is how crazy I am. I was reading back through the Mirai source code today because, like, very important. I, I think. I, Go well, ahead, Joff. I'll give you my prediction. Uh, well, Go I ahead. consulted with a, with a customer, and he's like, you know, how bad's it going to get? And um, I said it's going to get very bad. Mirai has the capability not only to do UDP attacks; it has TCP attacks, it has GRE attacks, it has generic uh, HTTP proxy and HTTP server level attacks, and everything in the Mirai scanner code actually talks about uh, not talks about everything in the Mirai scanner code is looking for weak credentials in the device to get itself, mm-hmm. you know, locked in and embedded in that device. Now, do we know any Internet of Things devices that have weak credentials? Oh, Jesus, all yeah. of them. But, okay. but also, it's not just Mirai now, right? Because there's, there vari- there's a new variant. There are variants. Five People days, are taking... Um, compromised 3,500 right. so But it also... But it's, it, it took bits and pieces from Mirai, the scanner piece that right, Joff was talking right. about, the 60 uh, credentials... That it used and used that to spread across the internet, not only IPv4, but also and now IPv6. It has, it, it, IPv6. It's expanded upon. We talked about that in Hacknaked News. It's, it's, right. So IPv6, the only people that understand IPv6 are like a few thousand. A few architects and engineers. A few and thousand attackers. of us who care, and then some smart attackers, mm-hmm. and now some dumb attackers based on you know what people have said about the source code. Yeah, it, it's, it's yeah. So I mean, I mean, I, I, I told, truly. You know, my, my. So whatever. So if anybody's been listening this whole time, that earlier optimism of mine. <laughs> well, I'm I just, truly think that I'm the done. internet is going to crash on election day and Black Friday. Uh, well, I think that's true um, for probably that's my different prediction. reasons, though. It may not. No, I think that I think that attackers the, are the specifically going to launch. Day, election day is. Um, Election Day in the U.S., um, but yeah, you what know what? Every friend? time I, as much as I want to say things about Election Day in the U.S., um, uh, pretty much guarantee that us common people will lose no matter who wins. Um, <laughs> my friend, and, uh, my and, friend Fred Rui, uh, who's in the and, cigar industry, has an awesome Facebook account. He posts about bacon a yeah, lot. Uh, awesome. He had a post that said. Uh, are there going to be complimentary barf bags in <laughs> the booths for Election Day? Like, that is how bad the commentary has gotten here in the I U.S. I will be in 
Seattle next week, and I've already voted, and uh, and uh, the Canadian border is not far away, but I, I'd be willing to bet. No, nice don't be Canadians. one of those people that's going to be like, I'm leaving the country. No, no, I'm going to Honduras. Gonna... I'm not going to Canada. As much as I love my You're Canadian friends. You're not going friends. to Honduras. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, no. gonna, I'm just going to live don't... on fish. and. No, you no. don't want to go to Honduras. Yeah, I do. It's now we're off on a tangent. Live... We're no, wait, wait, wait. we got to bring it back. Like, believe me. So I know anyway, people who have been to Honduras. You don't want to be to Honduras. I've been to Honduras. I like parts of it. So anyway, IOT, we're screwed. Yes, denial of service. Who knows who it's going to be? The real sickening thing about um, Mirai and other things, there are two things that terrify me. Uh, the first wave was Mirai. And so who's going to do what interesting things with the Mirai source code moving forward and make it more terrifying? And the thing that we have to keep in mind is this was not reflexive or amplified That's in right. any well the, the other thing this can, was well, the other thing this they, was the other thing to keep in this mind was is that, proof of concept there were, there were presentation the internet there was a presentation at brewcon uh there was a presentation at DerbyCon, and there was a presentation at b-sides las vegas and i strongly encourage the attackers not no, to go watch no, those no, no. presentations there, there's never been research on this <laughs> if you happen YouTube. to be a criminal don't go to irongeek.com or bsideslv.org. Or don't get ideas from that and look at the things they could do. Because there are people I was the who one. I was sh- one of the people to give presentations at all of those <laughs> conferences that I just mentioned. There are people that have told you how to do bad you, things bad things like take over the better world than you're doing no. them now i actually i posted some of that to, to, to facebook this week and i was actually going back and watching like some of the the beginnings of my talks yes. where i talk about like how what bad if, the problem what if is you did like, this? and what if and i'm like oh, oh my god shit. like holy crap i'm like <laughs> no one go watch i'm and i really feel and I, like, I will admit publicly you're like uh well, I mean, Iron, Iron is, Geek, could you take like 25, 35 videos <laughs> down right now? But I really feel a, a, a moral responsibility in that I was recognizing the problem as far back as 2013 and talking about it and saying things like, I really think we need to fix this problem for the greater good. We need to get embedded device manufacturers to understand that this is a problem now and it's only going to get worse. Like, I feel bad and I take responsibility. And I think I look bad, personally, that I did, and I feel bad that I didn't work harder to fix this problem, to put us in the situation that we are today, where all those things that myself, and it's not just me, I'm not the only one, believe me, that could stand up and say, I told you so. That's not the point. I'm kind of embarrassed to say There's, I told you so, right. because I feel like I didn't work hard enough to fix the problem. I'm not saying other people didn't, and there are people that have made a little further progress than I have in this space, but we as a community didn't make enough progress, and I think the problem is going to continue to get worse from where it is, to not just be an isolated incident on Brian Krebs and not just be an isolated incident where, you know, we lost Twitter and some other services well, did you for a see, day. Did you see today's Things are news? Things far worse than that. Did you see today's news? Yeah, and I both put, put the, the story, story in. in. I mean, uh, Liberia mm-hmm. got DDoS. We, uh, we, we, knocked a, we knocked a country yeah, off. the like. whole country. Well, we, not when I say we, netizens, how's that for a buzzword? Wow. Um... Yeah. 
Well, I mean, you got the you People know some of these smaller countries. Uh, I think Mariah they said their, their, their backbone bought that. had a maximum capacity across the country of around about five terabits, and these uh, distributed denial of service attacks. You, are I mean, you could speculate that that was just further testing. Right, that was just further so testing. If, if you put a terabit down a five terabit pipe, everything's broken. Absolutely, yeah. Right, mm. right. You know, and and we like. But look, everybody the capacity of the your 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 DDoS well, is amplified so, only by the capacity of the other people trying right, to but, use the but, internet, right? Right. But so if you take in this case, as Joff said, five terabit maximum connectivity, you put a terabit on that, the number of things that fall over. There's a natural amplification, right? Mm. SMTP retries. Yeah, yeah, all, yeah. I all gotcha. of the I TCP gotcha. connections yeah. right. that are like, oh, Trying that didn't reconnect. work. Let's right. try again. Yep. And without doing an amplification attack, you get an amplification attack. That's a great attack. technical explanation well, of it's, why it's, that it's is. Not so that, it's not only that, Jack. It's like, get, oh, hey, uh, shit, I'm going to keep retrying. Mm-hmm. Like, well, ah. if, if I can add to that, you also get the, the problem of the branch circuits, right? You might have five terabit oh, capacity in, in you know, in the, the the tier one ISPs in a country, but you go out to the edge right. of the network, the last mile problem, there is not five terabits of capacity there. Um, <laughs> you know what? No, you know what's really frightening to me, uh, and, and I want to move on to something else. But uh, the DDoS stuff is very frightening, and it's being amplified in multiple different ways. <laughs> However, the thing that I, one of the things that I talked about in my talks from previous years, are the privacy implications. And the fact that we can have something like Mirai with relatively unsophisticated attackers. So, I mean, there are some sophisticated no, wait, attackers wait, wait, wait. in the let's, mix. Let's, but let's stroke their egos. Skilled? Skilled. skilled Definitely skilled, skilled. skilled. Let's stroke right. their egos. Skilled, but... Because, um, because you only... Unsophisticated re- motives, I will re- say. Re- right? Right. Like, but I just want to take down the internet. We need to, don't get me wrong. There's a re- lot of technical skill that really, goes into there's, that. There's skill, but also it's like uh, if it's easy to do why would you use a hard attack right it's right. like apt yeah. right you know yeah. like, uh, my concern is like what if they wanted to be stealthy about it and perform attacks oh, where would God. they go and then uh, would <laughs> i i almost don't even want to say <laughs> don't, don't, it's already right, out there right. but anyway right like, we're not what if the they first, were to start what if, attacking what if people's they wanted, privacy and ads on if, these devices what if they wanted to do something subtly to to so impact these devices God. that impacts people's privacy that impacts, um, uh, you know, kind of adware on these devices. Right, so Those were some of the other things that click, I speculated. Click jacking like, toasters, you know. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. Not even so much that, but maybe using them to serve ads or right. serve ads on the devices right. themselves without impacting the. They've proven it's something that we've said all along that you can compromise these devices and do whatever you want with them. Yeah, we speculated that DDoS would be bad. I think I underestimated how, how much bad. people rely on the internet and how bad that wow. problem could be. The interrelatedness of de- the yeah. interdependencies, mm-hmm. um, the things that fell over because something else fell over because something else fell over, yes, I think was one of the lessons last week. was like, oh, I can't do this, but I have nothing to do with that. But that uses this, and ah, oh, I just I, I I just want your credit card to clear so I can sell you a coffee or whatever. But what if, rather than using webcams and DVRs to 
DDoS the internet, they're using to rebroadcast a message. I mean, I'm talking some serious Mr. Robot stuff here now, but like, what if, what if it's a message? What if it's the advertising, so, m- malvertising? What if it's a political message? What if it's so? So for the, the old people in the audience, instead of Mr. Robot, Max Headroom. Yeah, I, I mean, mean this is idiocracy. I mean, idi- that's, idi- that's the example well, I use in mind. As I said last time we were together, idiocracy is not a how-to. It is not a documentary. Right. It's not supposed to be those, but it turns out. But in, in, speaking, what? you could almost take that as it turns out, what attackers decided to do was use this for <clears throat> taking down the internet, which, as it turns out, uh, doing that on things where we are today on Election Day and on Black Friday can have some pretty interesting and Somewhat serious so impacts on it, it economy, it, on it, businesses. You know, on you're talking about taking things out next Tuesday, U.S. Election Day. Um, it doesn't have to do any real damage. No, it's perception. It gives but the it's perception, perception right. that undermines faith in a system is potentially as destructive. What if you as do that on Black Friday, though? And you could you influence? My fear is could you influence? The yes. economy in could some you way. Could, it wouldn't be yes. Black Friday. It would be what they what they're calling Cyber Monday, right? Which is the Cyber uh, Monday. Yeah, um, but exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, will have a direct impact on economic activity. There is no doubt. It, I mean, to it, me, that's scary. Yeah, that's terrifying. Let's let's anyway. Move. Let's, that was where so I wanted wait, to hey, get to the point um, on that. Hey, you know that dude, Bo Bullock. At Black yeah, that Hills? dude. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's awesome. He's kind of smart. And he likes to do interesting research. Like with OWA? Is that what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. yeah. I've, known about, I've known about... I've had the inside yeah, scoop yeah, yeah, yeah. on the story for a so, while. <laughs> so uh, I noticed neither of you put that in there, so I thought, hey, wait, how is that story not there? It's Oh, it's there's, not um, new. I will say so there's more, off, there's there's more OW- coming more coming and right. webcast in the works to, we're, to talk about right. this. Right, I'm sure that... So stay tuned. We've done tuned. the initial, we're going to... Stay tuned for more. Stay tuned for more. We've done the initial, but, hey, we're going to announce it and piss a whole bunch of people off. But <laughs> OWA and Office 365, first sorry, of all... Microsoft. Sorry, Microsoft. Um, sorry, Duo Security. We love you, Duo Security. It wasn't right, you. But it's, it's not you, but it, you were... Underlying were kind of infrastructure, in underlying infrastructure, uh, collateral damage. Uh, there were collateral damage in that, and I Bo, apologize. I love Duo Security, great love company. Love Duo, yeah. but Bo did some amazing some stuff yeah. um, with with help, and so um, check out the post at Black Hills. Um, that's not because. It's not because it's because it's great work. It's well, not because I mean, of anything. It's else. a true zero day uh, vulnerability. It's unbelievable. That, that they released, uh, um, which essentially allows you to compromise a whole bunch of stuff and it, credentials, it's crazy. And names over OWA. It's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, and when you get into Office three sixty five, um, Microsoft has yet to discover phishing. That's, that's a whole <laughs> other one. Uh, what it, else do I have? Uh, oh, hey. I looked at the calendar, and it turns out it's the end of 2016. Uh, December 31st. Well, I mean, it's, it's is, we're towards the end of the, we're towards the end of the year. It can't it, 2016 are. can't be in the rearview mirror fast enough. However, <laughs> what's really freaking cool is Google, Apple, and Google and Microsoft are arguing about. Please forgive me, everyone. If you don't have a drink in your hand, 
Wait till you're somewhere where it's appropriate to drink. Pour a strong one. And then with me, as I say, Google is making people talk about responsible disclosure. Whoa. Drink, everybody. Drink right now. First of all, I hate the term responsible because it's usually a weapon used against the researcher. But it's not simple. I'm not even going to take a Project Zero and other parts of Google do amazing work. Microsoft has made some amazing changes in the past 15 years. Apple is amazing in some ways, but it's November something something of 2016, and the the titans of our industry are getting in pissing matches over disclosure. And just if I had a soul, it would fucking crush it. Thank God I don't have one. Where did, wow, yeah. I'm so depressed now, but no, it's a sad statement. Hey, I, so I, just I just in case anybody got like optimistic over my bit of optimism earlier. Yeah, yeah, it, you know, it's it, it is a sad statement. Um, you know, the, to to us in the community, I think responsible disclosure has always been just that. You know, we we will come forward um provided we're not going to get burned Co- right um right right so it's it's coordinated all parties involved have to be responsible it needs to be coordinated zero tolerance policies don't work for your kids school or project zero in my opinion even though i have a an amazing amount of respect for people that even a few years ago i didn't um I don't know. Anyway, my Emmet. my whole thing on that Emmet. is if you want optimism in shiny happy rainbows, go to Disney World. If you want the real scoop, listen to the show. <laughs> sure. um, yeah. I do want to say that um, the – no, that is not the story that I, I, I clicked on. Oh, uh, Google's security head says Pixel is as <sighs> secure as the iPhone. I'll save you – the trouble of reading the story, essentially open source means that it's secure because more people are looking at it, oh, which... So, um, Go ahead, let's Jack. just... I, let's, I would you, like to say things about it, but let's just... The word bullshit comes to mind, but... I just, I if you're my age, you remember the little toys you pulled backwards, pulled yeah, backwards, and yeah, let go? Yeah. I would like to do that with Rob Graham over the open source security thing. Oh, I didn't see his latest post. No, no, well, oh. he's, he's done some great posts. Rob is Rob. Um, but just the idea. It's, uh, many eyes make, uh, if no. nobody looks at it, it's not true. And I, I, have, I have nothing to say but open SSL. Uh, Which also brings me to, uh, and I want to keep this very brief, uh, technology decisions. I have a Google Nexus 6P. Google came out with the Pixel. And I have to say I'm equally... As disappointed and furious with Apple over the new MacBook Pro as I am with Google over the new Pixel, I you seem to my, agree with my me here. Piece of what are you running a Samsung? What are you? That's a Note Four. Yeah, which I hate. That was pre-exploding Samsung. Pre- <laughs> this is yet to burst into flames. Notice no flames. No um, flames. Uh, you and I have run no. You run a no. I've run no. Yeah, the the it, note is a great was, phone. It was a great before phone. they started blowing up. Whatever the last update that Google and Sprint conspired to push down, where GPS doesn't work anymore. Wonderful intercourse thyselves. Um, but uh, 
It's just know. because it's open, it doesn't okay, make okay, it secure. Wait, wait, wait. It I doesn't mean, make it I mean, secure. And, and just because and, it's, and because it's closed, doesn't make it secure. Doesn't make it secure either. And just because it's two hundred fifty dollars more expensive than the phone I have now, with not as many features, doesn't mean that I'm going to buy it. Nor does I, it make it more secure or I, usable I, I, or the greatest thing since I'm, friggin' sliced bread. What I, is going on I, in the world? And Apple's MacBook Pros are the same thing. Like, there's no security benefit there. If there is, is it worth thousands of dollars? I'm just really, really disappointed in both Google and Apple recently with the releases of technology. And and, and I'll add Microsoft as a Windows, as a, as a, I I was. How's this to put it on today? I want to go buy Amazon Echoes because I'm. I'm looking at the usability of the Echo platform and kind of downplaying a little bit of the security that I was worried about that it was a device in my house that's listening all the time in favor of... A wife? (laughs) She's listening even when she's not listening, let's be honest. (laughs) Sorry, I had to go there. Um, But if you, Uh. for example... so. Google and Apple, just ridiculous pricing and technology choices. Amazon has a great ad campaign. And what's enticing me with their technology is the uh, the lower price and integration with your smart home and the interface being your voice when you have something like smart things. Now, I can test it out with my Fire TV that I have at my house. Now, right. I have to push the button on my remote and talk, right. which is an inconvenience, which which is to Amazon's advantage. Because I'm like, you know what? You're I'm like, that works. listening to your talk, right? I'm like, yeah. that works. And oh, I'm wait, like, you know wait, what? wait. Let me do this. Let me do this. My my wife and my no, kids. No, no, wait, wait, wait. Okay, Google. <laughs> Don't do that. Okay, Google. There's some just horrible things we could do with that. Siri? Anyway. <laughs> Cortana. Well, nobody has Cortana. <laughs> Alexa. Um, so uh, the thing, the thing of it is, though, uh, when you test it out, I'm like, that really works. Like, I can add some apps on my phone and push the button on 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 the Alexa thing and be like, turn off all the lights in the basement. And I'm like, holy crap! I'm like, that worked. I'm like, yeah. how awesome is that for? Your wife and your kids and your Stalkers, babysitters and your, your which is like my mom and my mother-in-law. Like yeah. now they control their house just with their voice. I'm like, that actually kind of works. Like I'm almost my willing. voice is yeah. <laughs> scary for me from a security perspective, <laughs> but the usability is so much there that I'll make the investment. Now, when you look at the minuscule, and even if there is benefit from getting the new MacBook Pro or the new the new Google phone. There's no huge, in my opinion, no huge strides in security, no huge strides in usability. In fact, I think there's even in the MacBook Pro case uh, a step back in usability, which makes me not want to adopt the newer technology. Do you think think smartphones are kind of hitting the upper uh, edge or the upper curve of their, um, uh, you you know, that 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 technology? I agree, Joff, because... With the 6P, it's going to get the new, from what I understand, Jack, correct me if I'm wrong, it's going to get the new operating system that runs on Pixel, and the 6P and the Pixel are pretty close. There's not $250 you know, there to, that I'm burning to spend right. to get to the Pixel, which to, for me, to, to like, point, I would spend right. that. To your point, to your story about um, you know Pixel being as secure... People on Twitter have observed that that's absolutely untrue until you open the box, 
Right, but um, we, what do you mean to open that? That Android is as secure as iOS. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely true mm-hmm. until you open the box. But um, you know when Google when Google attacks Apple with their ninety day deadline or Microsoft with the seven day for stuff that right, we were talking about earlier, yeah, um, they as much as I respect Google. The answer to that is fuck you, Android. And it's not Android is an OS. This the the statement that Android is secure as OS iOS is based on the alcohol may be catching up. Um is based on <laughs> the native OS. Alcohol's with way beyond <laughs> it's far surpassed you, Jack. I'll catch up. Uh, <laughs> It's the ecosystem, right? Yeah. Google has built an Android ecosystem, which is fundamentally flawed. Mm-hmm. And therefore, if you use it, you're pantsless. Yeah, well, you, don't, you don't have a choice. You're internet pantsless. You well, you're not pantsless, so, you, you, but you have to be a very savvy right, d- user to be able to secure it to a point. Right and, and also and, you know, so, also not so Samsung be, has activated being intoxicated like not be stupid and install apps. They're going to get you in trouble. Right. Samsung has, like, pushed down things which have destroyed performance on this Note wow. 4. Yeah, well, that's the thing with Samsung. But what they've, I... done, what they've done is they've pushed down, like, Lookout now scans every app update that I do. Mm-hmm. And so it, and performance a, has uh, collapsed. Lookout's look a security out. thing. Uh, it's, like it's, a little, by, it's like Little Snitch yeah, for but OSN. It's, it's installed by... Either Sprint or Samsung. I don't know who threw it on my phone, but it's like well, that, that's uh, part the performance. So Lookout, Lookout is uh, is it? And I'm, there's not anything against Lookout, but I've got a two year old phone which has a lot of video on it. No, has a lot of has a few videos, a lot of audio, a lot of images, and so it doesn't have a ton of space available. Mm-hmm. I'm closing in on two and years. What is Lookout, time to what is Lookout It's just do? it's basic. Uh, I don't want to say antivirus, right? Endpoint protection for mm-hmm. so it scans apps to make sure they're not hostile. But it's scanning mm-hmm. when when Google updates Google or Android native apps, it scans them for yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it tells you if Google's doing something evil. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. It's like, no, uh as a matter of fact, uh, you know, or or when Samsung native apps get updated, oh, the Samsung dude, native apps are dude, awful. Dude, yeah, dude, well, th- th- this is right, this is dude. where I have a big problem in the smartphone market. Like, who gave you the right to just stick an app on my phone without possession? I hate that too, right? Joff. Yep, it's, I agree. It's, it's I why, right? It's why I spent. It's why I spend the extra money on the Google. So the the phone. I, if they hadn't screwed up in some ways, I would have pre-ordered a Pixel. It's. I would have too. It's the, the the price point, it's just, it's, just, it's like fifty percent more. Right. Like the price point is nuts. My net six P was like four seventy nine. The equivalent Pixel is like seven twenty nine right. or something. Right. Yeah, I'm that's like, up. yeah, that's it's oh hey significant. Now, if you're introducing a new feature that warrants that, believe me, I'll be right there with you as but, a power. You, I mean, they're clearly. Right. Like targeting, they're selling to us. Yeah, they're right? selling to they're us. They're selling to us, and they're doing a, a really bad a job. Large, of it. large yeah. part of our audience, yes. but they're not justifying it because we'll spend money, right? Like, right. Like you and I have discussed, I will spend fifty dollars for a bar spoon. 
Right. Let, <laughs> let that sink in. It's that and, high end. And I have It's two like of the them. people that'll spend $750,000 on a supercar. I Except have, we're on a smaller scale, and Jack have, will spend $50 on a bar spoon. And I have two $50 bar spoons. Right? One for my home and one for my mobile rig. Right? So <laughs> if, you make the, if you make the sale, I'll make the purchase. But it, both Apple... Something about your value, the value prop is not there. The value prop's not there. Right. But and, if just, you can... If you can find a value prop in a $50 spoon, but you can't find it in a pixel, that just makes me want to pee myself laughing. (laughs) That's really all we need to say about that. Oh, so something that broke today, this evening, I believe, by the way, Emmett is being retired by Microsoft. No way. What? Yes. Man, you just made me sad. Microsoft has announced the end of life for Emmett. They've actually extended they've it up a little bit. Endpoint security. I mean, with well, no, 40, what, what they've done. 40 plus vendors in endpoint security, at least. But what they've done is the stuff that doesn't require us as administrators to be engaged is built into Windows 10. Oh, I see. And so it's time to retire it. Um Unfortunately, if you're running a real operating system like Windows 7, where they don't destroy your ability to output video reliably, um, you're, you're kind of left twisting in the wind. But um, I want to uh, just transition to, to wireless for a oh, second. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, our, our good friend Troy Hunt, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. who was on the show, I've, and there is no uh, like benefit to me to mention Ubiquity. They're not a sponsor of the show. I do want to say that um, I've used Ubiquity products for a long time and I really like them. Um, And Troy Hunt published an article uh, just today, it looks like. Uh, This article is dated today. I I thought it was yesterday, but it is dated today. Uh, And it's titled Ubiquity, All the Things, How I Finally Fixed My Dodgy Wi-Fi. And what Troy says in here... Is that he's like Australia? He lives in Australia. Yes, and he bought Good a dude. he bought a really big house. Uh, and he thankfully, thank you, Troy, put it in square feet for us dumb Americans. And it's like five thousand square what feet. Is, so. what it's is like he, a really like big metric, house. Metric hectares it or something. Metric thing, but he, he, but yeah. he, he bought a really big house, and he's like, I had these two Linksys access points, and he's like, I'd have to reboot them, and they were always dropping off, oh, and then they sent God. me a new one. And it's just everything we've said about off-the-shelf hardware like that. And uh, so now he with went wireless, let me just say three letters that will make a few network people cry. When you're talking about wireless and integrating with the rest of your network, MTU. Yeah, there's that. But there's also crappy firmware. It's, it's, I, I'm not going to name the firmware or hardware that I use at home. However... But he, what he said was interesting, and it was spot on. As Troy will be, he was spot on, and he said, "You know, Linksys and other manufacturers will release hardware and release software, a couple of revisions, and then stop. And then the recommendation he said was to put open source software on there. And he's like, "Hey, wait a minute! Like, I bought a device from a manufacturer. Why aren't they providing me with the software that I need to be successful?" And run a really great environment well, for my wireless. Welcome to the commodity market. Yeah. 
So what he decided to do, uh, he actually consulted with some of his friends that um, and over-designed it. To his credit, he disclosed, look, I over-designed it. And he said, look, I want to build, I want to overcompensate and overbuild my wireless network. And they recommended I do that all this gear. My truck. Yeah, we, we all do. I think a lot of, a a lot lot of us, us do that in security. <coughs> so he um, purchased all this gear from Ubiquity and deployed it in his house, walked you through step by step everything that was happening, and in the end said, I'm really happy. And he's like, you don't have to go buy all the stuff that I did, but like, he's like, I'm happy. Now, I've run Ubiquity access points in my home for a long time. Um, I would stand behind their product. I think they make a, a fantastic product. And what he said, I think, is kind of interesting for security, is that he said, you know, when you buy something off the shelf, such as from Linksys or Belkin or Netgear, they try to give you one device that does a lot of things. And he said, when you take it up a notch into the ubiquity realm, he said they... Ubiquity does the same thing. However, it's more targeted devices. You get right. access points to do access points. You get switches to do switching in, in the network, and you get firewalls to do the, the firewalling and routing, and they're, they're separate devices. And if you want a bridge, you know that is a separate device. And in fact, a friend of mine oh God. who you does a lot bridge. of consulting I'm, here, here in Rhode Island. sober for people. To no, no, no. He says Ubiquity Stop. makes the, the best wireless bridges. And he said, bridge. you know what? No, bridge. He no, says bridge. you can get an Ubiquity it's, bridge. It's, it's Linux bridging. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm talking it's, about a, wireli- a no, wireless bridge. No, but, it, but it's still it, it's, it's Linux bridging. I'm sorry. I'm going to sound like an old beardy bastard. But no, no, no. Linux it's a, and bridges. Like it looks like a satellite go dish. To, go to no, 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 no. But Paul, what you're saying is right. I said, <laughs> but yes, yes, absolutely. I said this it, all of ago, the components I said this are years separate. Ago when I was having discussions in the networking world, and I completely endorse what you're saying. It's like, you know, let let a let a switch switch traffic or bridge traffic. Yes. Let a router route traffic let, or a router if you're in the English world. Router, yes, router, absolutely. Um, and let a wireless AP be exactly that. It does wireless and it bridges mm-hmm. traffic onto your network, and that's it. Um, so just for the older Windows folks in there, you remember in the NT days when you took your Microsoft courses and exams and they talked about using Microsoft NT as a routing device? What a crazy idea. Oh, my God. Uh, so anyway, yeah, yeah. no, it, 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 uh, no, but you could, but there was context. So, <clears throat> so, so at that bottom end gear, one of the things that always tips me off to people that have that are just preying on the bottom end is when you have a device that's a router, firewall, and access point. Yes, and it costs less than a device from the same manufacturer with similar specs, which is only an access point. Yeah. And they strip features and charge you more because they're preying on the bottom end uh, technical people. I don't no, know what they're, to they're call just preying them, on the lower the, end of the market, the people, right? the sort of consumer end of the market. They're, they're preying on the right. So, so you know the the, the ubiquitous WRT fifty four G right. Linksys had access points that didn't do anywhere near what it work did for more money. that's a sign that you're getting taken, I think. I do also want to mention, uh, just a tip for our listeners, 
Uh, I forgot what I was putting on Twitter, but someone recommended uh, this new device that is available for pre-order today from NetGate.com, which is a site that I've used in the past. NetGate is <clears throat> NetGate rocks. We love, we love NetGate. Um, it's a NetGate SG100 micro firewall security appliance with PFSense. It retails for $150. Um, and what's interesting is it is uh, an ARM Cortex A8 CPU, which I believe is a dual core. Correct me if I'm wrong, listeners. Uh, it's oh, they will. <laughs> yeah, they will. <laughs> Four gig eMMC, 512 uh, megabytes of RAM, DDR3, uh, two gigabit ports, uh, and set up to be your firewall. Yeah. And again, that's, a, that's an SG100 micro firewall from, from NetGate.com. Uh, <clears throat> really awesome uh, a device and kind of to Troy Hunt's post uh, could could play into your uh, home security solution. Uh, make sure you check out Troy's post, wiki.securityweekly.com. Uh, there's a link to that in there. He uh, Troy did a fantastic job. I applaud him um, for, for writing up everything he did to fix his, his Wi-Fi uh, at home. And I yeah. think that there are many of us that are going to go build our own Linux Wi-Fi access points, which I think is awesome. Larry and I have talked about doing that. I think the middle of the road technical is ubiquity. Um, on the higher end, there's ones, and I can't remember the name. Uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like <coughs> microphone. Otherwise, I'll make fun of a. <laughs> there's vendor. there's one. Uh, I I can't remember the name, but there are ones that they retail for more than ubiquity. But they let you just basically like drop it in, and it's really easy to use, kind of thing. I haven't. People have reported success with those. I haven't looked For in a while. Ubiquity is a good way to go if you want to build your own. I haven't looked in a while. That's but great it, too. I, Come I on, do a segment on Security Week yeah, if you want to build yeah, your I own. I would encourage folks. Maybe it's not the same. The ingenious hardware mm -hmm. used to support you doing creative things with it. I don't know if that's still true. I'm too lazy to do stuff and. People give me things and I use them. I, I would uh, I double down on the neck recommendation. I would feel dirt. I I would feel dirty, f but it, it's yeah. yeah. I know. I really I I do like the NetGate hardware, and I think it's great well, that go, they're following that up with the yeah. PFSense. It's it's been over a decade that people that were interested in wireless things have been going to NetGate to get good gear. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I there is one last story that I want to make sure we talked about. Um, there is um, Admiral, which is one of the UK's largest uh, insurers, is using Facebook data to help calculate how much car insurance they should pay. Yes. And the articles I saw speculated what we've been speculating for a long time is that <clears throat> once insurance companies can look into your refrigerator, they can also calculate these kinds of things. And this is evidence that the insurance carriers are moving in this direction to use the data collected about IoT devices to impact your insurance rate. Kind of goes back to our conversation with David in the beginning of the show about how important your privacy is online. There are already uh, car insurers that will send you the OBD2 oh, yeah. plug-in. What could go wrong there? What could go wrong there? Uh, and we've talked about this in the past, but this is uh, evidence that... Does, does OBD2... like? Pick up whether or not you use turn signals because Californians would be screwed. Oh, wow, does it? Yeah. It must. I, mean, I, I don't yes, know I for sure. Uh, I'm sure one of our listeners in, is in probably screaming at the podcast right now. Right, right. In Massachusetts, yeah. we use turn signals to throw <coughs> the opponent off. 
Um, so. What did they say by um, in the the last uh, paragraph? Kind of, uh, I remember reading this. Jack it says by providing us with new and better ways of doing things, IoT offers real potential for improving our lives. But it depends on who the technology is built for. Remiss if we allow new generation internet connect devices designed to benefit insurance companies. Uh, and they talked about braking and like how the things that connect to your car can break, like detect whether you're braking really fast or not and impact your insurance. There's two it's stories just, in there that I added on this. Maybe in the other yeah, one. that's the, I mean, that is a yeah. significantly scary trend, you know, as we start going down as, the, the path of, uh, you know, big, big data analytics uh, and joining in these big uh, brother? companies. With, <laughs> big brother, you know, yeah. I had, I had to mention uh, big data, you know. Big data, big brother, potato, potato. Hey, um, well, Paul's staring at something. Sorry. At least <clears throat> there's nothing that runs half the freaking internet that's vulnerable, like MySQL. Right yeah, now. that's right. Oh. What a great segue. That's yeah. a good one, Joff. Right. So, oh. And, oh, and the good news is MySQL is still a monolith. There aren't forks of it, and the patching structure isn't a nightmare. <laughs> it's a good point. <laughs> And the and the root isn't reliant on Oracle because then we'd be screwed. <laughs> yeah. So this week there was. Uh, Have I made up for my brief bit of optimism earlier? Yeah, just 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 when you thought that things were optimistic, but yeah, there's some critical flaws in MySQL that give uh, give root access uh, uh, to uh, people that that exploit them. Um, pre- there's a privilege escalation and a race condition bug. CVE twenty sixteen six 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 three. Notice the six 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 in there. Whoa! Um, the the more severe of the two bugs is uh, is a race condition that allows a low privilege account, such as one with something like you know just select rights or create insert rights. Uh, they have if they've got access to an affected database, they can escalate the privileges and then execute arbitrary code as the database system user, uh, i.e., uh, MySQL, for example. Um, so this this is not good. Um, there's another one. Uh, it's a root privilege escalation uh, where uh, the, root, the the bug allows attackers with uh, MySQL system user privilege to further escalate to the root user, allowing them to thus fully compromise the system that the database is actually running on. Uh, so these these are to be taken seriously. Uh, patch now. Uh, patch as soon as Oracle has uh, got the uh, patches out. Um, it's not, no joke. Or what's the, what are, what's the, um, Maria? DB, right? The the open source. Yes, the Mariah DB. Yeah. Mariah, the open source fork, whatever. <sighs> it's no yeah. joke. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not joking around. So uh, yeah, get 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 patching everybody. Uh, that, that's get very patching. serious. <laughs> serious. New new this week. Patch your yep. shit. Imagine that. <laughs> I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this edition of Paul Security Weekly. <laughs> thank our special guest, David Koplovitz. Hey, well done. Thank our uh, fabulous co-hosts, Jack and Joff. Thank everyone for listening and watching. Make sure you go to securityweekly.com forward slash survey. Give us some feedback. Oh, yeah, oh, do, do that. Do quick, that now. Before we, we, we take it out, um, huge shout out to my uh, Python for Pentesters Sex 573 class last week. You guys were awesome. And thanks for asking me the five questions. Awesome. Sweet. Jack, take us out. Over and out. I think he needs a colonoscopy after that. <laughs>